Oh, brethren, before we turn to God's word, let us pray together. <clears throat> Eternal and gracious God, we draw near to you as a people that continue to be in desperate need. And this is even more amplified in the days in which we currently live. Lord, as we sense our frailty, our vulnerability, and indeed, O oh Lord, our mortality, we are reminded afresh of who you are. For in that sense, you are altogether unlike us. Indeed, Lord, you are enthroned in the highest heavens, far above all rule and dominion and the clamoring of swords, including the enmity of man. You are the one who reigns supreme and in that sense, therefore, controls all things. You are never endangered. You never have fear. There is nothing that can ever take you by surprise because you are the one who has created all things and indeed you govern all things. That even in the midst of human rebellion, you do not, not even once, bite your nails, wondering what might happen to you. For Lord, there is no election with respect to your rule. You are a monarch from eternity to eternity. Yet Lord, again, as we are conscious of our own failings, we come to you because you draw us to yourself, uh, that we might own our sin. And that's what we do this afternoon, O oh Lord. We acknowledge uh, that what has happened in this world is something that we ourselves have poured upon our own heads. We've poured upon our heads through Adam and Eve, as they sinned against you as our first parents. We have poured upon our heads as we have forsaken you in consequent generations, even today, when we have turned everything else into a God rather than you. Oh God, have mercy upon us. Lord, our brother earlier prayed, and we echo his prayer, that in the midst of so much illness and death, those of us who are consequently alive, those of us who are healthy, can only say thank you to you, that you've spared us, 
both of illness and of death. For today, hardly a day passes by without us hearing of someone we know, a close relative, a close friend, breathing their last. Lord, thank you for sparing us and thank you for sparing those of our loved ones who are still alive. Now, Lord, as we will be turning to your word, we ask that it will be relevant to each one of us in the times in which we live. For indeed, we are in a needy world, O oh God. Do not be silent. We need to hear the wonderful words of life. Speak to us, we pray, for your glory and for our good. Amen. Well, let me invite you to turn with me to the book of Daniel and uh, chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. As I was thinking long and hard in the course of uh, the week as to what to come and share on this occasion, um, what was preached on this morning was, was fairly uh, relevant to my thinking. I was definitely thinking about speaking about death. And therefore, when our brother informed me yesterday that this is what he was going to be preaching on, I felt at liberty to then move on gears to, to something else. And as I came back to uh, what was our passage for the evening services, which is Daniel chapter 9, um, more and more thoughts kept falling over each other, as it were, to arrest my own thinking and, and bring home that thought that this prayer request by Daniel was no doubt one that would be very relevant to the times in which we are. We have been considering the prayer of Daniel from Daniel chapter 9. And uh, as I have said before, most of this prayer has little to do with actual asking, which is what the word prayer means. Prayer is simply asking. But when you read it, most of it is really a confession of sin. Right from the time that he begins in chapter 9 and verse 4, he himself says, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession. Made confession. And so over and over again, he is speaking in terms of you are righteous, O God, we are sinners. Look at the way he begins the prayer. Verse 4 again. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. And basically that's what he continues all the way to verse 15. 
It is the same thing. Let's read verse 15. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as at this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. If you miss that in the prayer of Daniel, you have missed the prayer altogether. He was concerned about the fact that the times in which they were, what they were suffering was primarily because of human sin. In other words, it was something that was deserved. Well, today we begin with verse 16 going downwards, and finally we get to the prayer requests of Daniel. So I will read verse 16 down to verse 19, purely for the purpose of us, first of all, having a sense of the whole of the requests that Daniel gave. Uh, each one of them begins with him addressing God afresh. And what we will do this evening is to consider just the first request. So he begins, O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. And then he asks again, verse 17, Now therefore, O God, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. And then again he asks, verse 18, O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. And then comes the final uh, cry of Daniel. And you can see it from the shortness of his request there. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, pay attention and act. In other words, it is urgent. And you can't miss it because he actually says it. Delay not for your own sake, oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. What a prayer. What a prayer. Although he spent so much time confessing the sins of Israel, confessing his own sin, confessing the sins of their fathers, in other words, the previous generation, he now really locks himself in with God and, as it were, pours out his heart in terms of what God needs to do. What I want us to notice then is the first request. 
And basically, it was asking that God might turn away his wrath from his people, which ultimately is what he was asking for throughout the rest of this prayer. So he begins by, as it were, putting it right before God on that same moment without beating about the bush. Lord, turn aside your wrath from your people. I said at the very beginning of this sermon that I felt something of the relevance of this prayer in the days in which we live because there is no doubt that COVID-19 is God's judgment on us all. In other words, it's not only those who have died, but on all of us, in order for us to have our hearts drawn back to the living God. And therefore, this is relevant, that we, especially who are God's children, can learn to go to him, to plead with him, that he might relent, that he might hold back this temporal judgment that is upon all the earth, especially one that has not even spared his church because his church is also devastated, as we can already see from the fact that our very auditoriums are empty in the midst of the days in which we live. So here's something we ought to be asking God for. We should be saying to him, God, relent. God, take away your wrath from us. Well, what do we learn then from uh, Daniel as we ask for mercy? First of all, it is the fact that when we pray for God to be merciful, we should not forget to base it on his righteousness, that God is a righteous God. Notice the way in which Daniel puts it here. O oh Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem. Now, I'm, I'm almost certain that if you are like me, you would have thought, now hang on, to be praying based on God's righteousness is really to be asking for trouble because we are sinners. And therefore, to be saying, God, act on the basis of your justice is to finish ourselves off. Rather, we probably should have been saying, Lord, according to all your merciful acts. That's perhaps the way in which we would be tempted to pray. Well, the truth of the matter is that Daniel did pray that way. For when you go further down, and I'll just peep at one example, verse 18, he says there, towards the end, for we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. So there's no doubt about it that we can plead on the basis of the mercy of God. Why would Daniel begin 
with according to all your righteousness. Well, two reasons will help us appreciate this. First of all, remember the beginning of this chapter. Uh, let's quickly go back there. Chapter 9, verse 1 to verse 2. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent Emid, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. The point there is that Daniel was now living in the days somewhere between 60 years and 70 years. In other words, he was able to say God had spoken that the punishment he was going to give to Israel was going to be 70 years. Well, the 70 years are about to be over. God, you are just. When you have pronounced punishment and that punishment is over, act as a just being. Don't keep us in this state of punishment. If you go to Isaiah and chapter 40, you will notice there that when Isaiah is now being told to go to speak to the people of Israel in captivity, that they will now be released to go back to the promised land, he speaks in these terms that they have fulfilled their punishment. Isaiah 40 and verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and here it is, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all in other words, she has been punished enough and therefore it is time for her to go back home. So in that sense, you can understand Daniel saying, Oh Lord, according to all your righteous acts, you are a God who of justice, a God who keeps his word. And therefore, based on that word, O oh Lord, it is time for you to turn away your anger and your wrath. That's one sense. Another sense is in terms of God being a God of faithfulness. Again, it's fairly closely related to justice, but this time it is more keeping your word of promise. There is a covenant relationship, as we shall be noticing in a few minutes, between you and your people. You have made a promise, O oh Lord. Stand upon that promise. In Psalm 31, 
and Psalm 71, we notice that it is on the basis of that that the psalmist expected deliverance, that God is a God of righteousness. Psalm 31 and verse 1. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. And then he says, in your righteousness, deliver me. In your righteousness, deliver me. In other words, on the basis of who you are as a moral being, and a moral being is one who keeps his promise. Two days ago, I lost an uncle, the last surviving male cousin to my mother, and it was COVID, as these are the days in which we live. But as I shared news with my siblings, um, one of them wrote back to me, and he said this. He said, that man is the one who restored my faith in adults, he said. Because when I was young, a lot of elderly people passing through our home would say, next time I come, I'll bring you sweets. And they never did. And he said, I concluded, all adults are liars. But this one, every time he would say, when I come, I'll bring you sweets, he brought sweets. And he said, I remember him once saying, next time I come, I'll bring you toys. And he said, he brought toys. That day, I now believed there are some adults you can trust. Well, God is in that category. He is in the category of keeping his word. And therefore, based on that, the psalmist David is saying, deliver me because you keep your promise. Similarly, chapter 71. Chapter 71. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. There it is again. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. I'm not simply depending on how loud I shout, how much I plead, but above all, that you are a moral being, you have kept your word, and therefore I know that I can trust in you. So in the same way, Daniel is able to say here, O oh Lord, according to all your righteousness, you are a moral being. You've promised 70 years and I'll free you. On the basis of you, what you are, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem. Well, we can say the same in the 21st century with respect to pardon, can't we? First John and chapter 1. First John chapter 1. 
verse, verse 9. Now, there must be something about me and electronic things. It wasn't happening this morning. First John chapter 9. If we confess our sins, listen to this. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now we would think that what he should be saying is, if we confess our sins, he is merciful and loving to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But no! He is saying he is faithful and just. Which is exactly what we were speaking about earlier on in terms of this righteousness. With respect to justice, we are being told that he has punished another in our place. In case you're thinking that that's overstretched, well, look at chapter 2, verse 1. He says that, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And propitiation simply means one who takes upon himself our punishment so that the wrath that ought to come to us is put away. That's propitiation. In other words, justice has been served. But secondly, he is faithful. He's faithful. He will not break his promise. He has made his promises very clear to us that whoever comes to me through Christ will be forgiven. So we too can go to God seeking mercy from him, not because he's some kind of indulgent father, but because he is a moral being. The same morality that makes sinners flee from him is the one that causes us to go to him to plead that he might be merciful. Let me hurry on. <clears throat> Back to our text. When we pray for God to be merciful, we are really asking primarily for him to turn away his wrath. This was the very first plea of Daniel. Oh Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem. Let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem. The phrase, your anger and your wrath, is in English sounding like a repetition. Uh, it's as though he's simply using synonyms. But really, in the Hebrew, what it signifies is a sort of turning the heat to its maximum. It's the equivalent of saying, let your fierce anger turn away from your city, Jerusalem. So one is amplifying the other. Let your fierce anger, 
Let the fury of your anger. So your anger is up there. Now the top part of it is fury. Let that be turned away from us. In other words, the, the phrase is really meant to bring out emphasis because there's no doubt by this time there was such a devastation that, yes, Daniel could pray this way. Again, I keep referring this to, to our COVID situation, isn't it? I mean, COVID first hit us at the beginning of last year, and yes, we all went into hiding and so on. It wasn't long before we started coming out thinking, where's the danger? I mean, we were sort of hearing about it in the media, but uh, we didn't know anybody by name who had died. It was figures that we were reading about. Well, COVID came again, at least in terms of a new wave, at the beginning of the year. And I've never forgotten how I was afraid when my phone would ring that someone else whom I know has died. That's how I began to feel because it was news after news after news. Well, if we thought that was bad, another wave has come. And I must admit, when I was coming to church this morning, driving past the University Teaching Hospital mortuary, I could not believe the number of cars that were there to pick up dead bodies. I've been going past that road on Sundays for I don't know how many years, 30 plus years coming to church. Never before have I seen so many cars picking up dead I'm thinking to myself, yes, this is the tip of COVID. This is an apex of the judgment of God. So that the prayer is not simply let your anger or let your wrath, but let the fury of your wrath be turned away, O oh Lord, lest we all lest we all perish. It is emphasis. It is emphasis. And in speaking about turning away the wrath, basically, it is speaking about the cessation of discipline, the cessation of punishment. We've all grown up in our parents' homes and our parents have disciplined us. And... Uh, Sometimes it's not discipline, it's actually meant for our good, but we read it as discipline. But a child who's crying while arrested by a parent and a rod is in one hand, there's one thing that child is asking for. The cessation of discipline. It's the cry that perhaps that last spunk might be the last one. That as the hand is going back, it may go back forever. Rather than again another swing. 
And that's exactly what Daniel is praying about here. He is saying, oh Lord, you've spanked us enough. May this be the end of the punishment. Turn aside your fury. And even as he does that, he brings in yet another basis of plea. And it is this, that we are your children. We are yours. So this is not everlasting punishment. This is not you destroying your enemies. This is you wanting the better for your people. Look at the way he speaks about Jerusalem and Mount Zion as yours, yours, yours. Oh Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill. Just not to say, in the midst of that spanking, don't kill me, Dad. I'm your child. Don't kill me. I belong to you. What a perfect opportunity we are living in today to imitate Daniel, to put this into practice, learning to plead that, Father, enough, enough. Father, may the discipline be sufficient. May that final swing that I felt or we felt, may it be the last. Oh, brethren, let us pray. If ever our prayer chambers had become empty, this is the time to fill them up. This is the time to mean business with God. This is the time to ask that in wrath he may remember mercy. That we are frail creatures of dust, but more than that, we are his children, that he might have mercy. Well, lastly, when we pray for God to be merciful, we must keep justifying him that what we are getting is what we deserve. It's what we deserve because we have sinned. The rest of this verse, I'll read the whole of it together. Oh Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. This was the content of Daniel's prayer right from the beginning I showed you. 
that from verse 4 all the way to verse 15, it was confession after confession after confession. Different ways, but ultimately simply saying, we have sinned, we have done wrong, we have acted wickedly. And there it is, he repeats it once again. And basically what he is saying there is that currently we are a laughing stock. Currently we are a, a target of jest. People are laughing at us across the globe. The nations of this earth are laughing at us. Why? Because they look at what's once was a grand city, the city of Jerusalem, what once was the most glorious building that human beings could ever imagine, the temple of the Lord, and both of them are in ruins, absolute ruins. And they are laughing. They are laughing. But not only that, they are also laughing at the people. Notice the way he puts it there. That Jerusalem and your people have become a byword. What has happened to your people? Oh, they are in exile. They are now slaves for other nations. And so people are laughing at them. They are saying, where is your God? Where is your religion? Our idols our gods are stronger than your God. Here's the evidence. They are a laughing stock as well. Why? Is it because God has changed his mind about his honor and his glory with respect to the temple? and Jerusalem, which was to be the place where his name would be? Is it because he no longer loves his people, the people of Israel? No. Daniel again puts his finger on why what has happened has happened, and it is this. Because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Now, although Daniel has spoken about this, I want to repeat from verse 4 all the way to verse 15, and he's repeating himself again. I want to assure you that it's the most difficult thing for us as human beings. As human beings, we, we, we want to shift the blame all the time onto other people. We, we never simply want to say, I deserve this. We deserve this. We never. In fact, we get fairly agitated when one of us is saying, we have sinned against God. We need to repent. Despite the fact that he's including himself, we get rather agitated. We get uncomfortable because of this sense of guilt 
and want to get rid of such an individual. And sometimes when you are dealing with a church discipline case and you, you've handled a matter privately as elders and you're fairly happy that this person is repentant and you bring them before the church and they're supposed to be apologizing, you find that there's short circuit their words to the point where as elders you sort of hang your heads in shame wondering, now... What are members thinking about us here? Because they must be wondering, so what is he apologizing about? What? But at the same time, as elders, we understand it's difficult for us as human beings to simply say, I have sinned, we have sinned, and especially to name the sin. We'd rather circumvent somehow. And on that basis, there's something about Daniel here that we all desperately need to learn. To own our sin. I honestly think that one of the reasons why Daniel was able to do this is because he read his Bible. And that's the only way he would have said the words we have in verse 2, isn't it? That I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, that's now one person, but he was reading the books, that the number of years must pass before the end of the desolation and it's namely 70 years. And I have no doubt that if we who are God's people read the Bible regularly, consistently, alone, We will often close the Bible and say, God, forgive me. I have sinned. Forgive us. We have sinned. We are not living godly lives. We are not living holy lives. We are not deliberately pursuing your honor and your glory. We are dragging your name in the mud. Forgive us. Forgive us. If we are consistently reading God's word. Because you see, when you read your newspaper, it tells you about life on earth from earth's perspective. And in that sense, you'll be blaming China or blaming some mad scientist for re releasing a virus onto planet earth that's taken so many people away. But when you are reading the Bible consistently, you begin to see that nothing happens by chance on planet Earth. That the God who is in heaven is a moral being who must punish sin. And that we have been accumulating sin and wickedness and ungodliness at such a fast rate that warning shots were bound to be rung from heaven. It was a matter. But then, we soon see as we read the Bible that it's not them, it's us and our fathers. Because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, we are now paying for it.
when we read our Bibles consistently, we interpret life on earth from heaven's perspective. I often shudder, brethren, when I think of how God spoke to the people of Israel in Malachi. And he said to the priests that you are the ones to blame for the way in which my name has become a byword. Because you accept anything. People bring blind animals to the altar, lame animals. You accept. Even challenges their reasoning. He says, try take that to your governors. Try it. Let's see if your governor will accept it, whether he'll be pleased with you. Try it. And then he said this. Oh, that you might shut the temple doors, that no more sacrifices would be happening on my altar, because I, the Lord, am a great God and I will be worshipped in all the earth. I often wonder whether Christianity hasn't reached those levels where the Lord's day is easily thrown into anything we want to do. That we who are supposed to be Christians, accept anything, anything. That we have turned pleasure into a God. Pleasure. And therefore, as soon as church is over, we want to go and watch football or whatever that's on the TV screen with the, uh, maybe popcorns or something. God is out. Now let's just enjoy ourselves the rest of the day. And therefore, the first opportunity will dispense of church. Whether we haven't idolized the accumulation of wealth so that at the first opportunity, we are out at the farm, we are out at this, out at that. That's how we spend the weekend. And yes, we will sort of quickly squeeze in church quickly and then back again to our money generating activities. And it's gone on so long from our fathers up to us that we, we may have lost sensitivity to the fact that God has said, out of seven days, one is for rest, and that resting day is mine. It's mine. You are to rest from all your labors, and you are to consecrate yourselves afresh for me. Could it be that the Lord is saying, shut the doors, just shut the doors, forget it. With respect to the people of Israel, he used a foreign nation. In fact, two nations. The Syrians first, Jerusalem was still intact, and then finally the Babylonians and Jerusalem was destroyed. 
In other words, he used a third party to shut those temple doors. It makes me tremble sometimes that perhaps he's used just a virus to just shut the doors. Let these people do what they want to do instead of pretending to give, him, to give me half-hearted worship. Just shut the doors. I wonder sometimes. I'm willing to be wrong, but I just wonder. Whatever it might be, the lesson is this that we need to learn to own our sin for our misery. Don't blame it on anybody else. It's very easy to say the Chinese or Americans or whatever it is. Or immigration officials, they're not stopping people enough. That's why these people are bringing in this illness. Very easy. But all that we would learn to say, we have sinned. Our fathers have sinned. Lord, have mercy. I hurry on to close. Let us use this prayer of Daniel as a model prayer for ourselves. Because it is very biblical. Not just for Old Testament times, but also for New Testament times. It's a prayer of repentance, a prayer asking for mercy, but based squarely on who God is. He is not one with a split personality, so that we should shut our eyes on the fact that he's a moral being and simply concentrate on the fact that he's a loving and merciful being. Let's concentrate there. No, 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 no. Let God be God and every man a liar. Brother, let's go to him as a moral being and say, Lord, you have punished your son in our place. And on that basis, and on that basis alone, we are saying, forgive us. Forgive us, O oh Lord. Give us a fresh beginning. As he himself said, that is Daniel towards the end, O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, pay attention and act. May we learn from him to do exactly that. And for us today, we have all the more reason to base our pleas on that righteous act of God because of Calvary. Jesus is that rock that is higher than all of us. He is that rock to which we can flee and hide knowing that in him the wrath has been fully satisfied. And we can plead for mercy on that basis. Or that we can pray this prayer from our heart even today. Amen.